Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 245 of Manage the Wild. I'm your host, Nick Madsen. How many animals are on the landscape? I've heard more arguments and fights about how many animals are on the landscape. And so today we're going to talk about how managers calculate that and all the different things that go into it, as well as some of the challenges and the problems that these models face. I remember when I first got into wildlife, I didn't know a whole lot, and I still don't. That's why I'm doing this podcast. But one of the issues that I first saw when I came into wildlife is a conversation between a group of of hunters that were upset about the amount of animals on the landscape that the biologist was saying. So the biologist invited them and their group to come out and they would go and survey all the possible locations and then they would come back and run it through the model. So the biologist came and ran through his model. Let's just say, I don't remember the number, but let's just say it was 16,000 animals on the landscape. And these group of guys said, there's no way that there's 16,000 animals on the landscape. You're not getting every drainage. You're not getting every ditch. You're not doing near enough. And the biologist said, I know I'm not because I'm only counting 250 animals, uh, 250 females and calculating in my time. And our model is giving us X number, which was 16,000. So they went out and they counted, they got 20 plus guys together and they surveyed and they surveyed and they came across with 500 animals. And they said, I guarantee that that number will change because we have 500 animals in this amount of time. And so they entered it in and the number was the exact same. And they were blown away. They still disagreed with the number because they said they got every drainage and it's just not possible or feasible or monetarily possible to be able to go out and do that. There's a whole bunch that goes into um, these different types of surveys. Abundance surveys are one of the most difficult things, in my opinion, to get correct just because the amount of issues that you come across that can be introduced. So all models are wrong. But some models are are more correct than others. Abundance models help you calculate your population. They are the best way to understand how large of a population you have. It's important to know whether your if your habitat in your unit can contain three thousand elk, and your model says it has four thousand then you've got some problems. Or if it says you got some, you got 2,000, then you have some different strategies for managing a unit. But you need to understand how large a population is. It's going to give you population trends. It's going to let you know from year to year if your population's going up, if your population's going down. And it's going to directly lead into your management decisions. Are the hunting permits, do I have enough elk tags, bull tags out there? Do I need to start instituting a cow hunt or a doe hunt because the population's over objective? It's also going to help you understand how your bears and cougars are doing. Now, this one's a little more difficult because these animals are harder 
to manage because they're harder to understand their abundance across the landscape. And wildlife agencies and nonprofits are always going to battle back and forth about whose data is better. They're always going to say, based upon their models, that there's less animals on the landscape. And the Division of Wildlife is saying, well, this is what we're coming up with. And they're saying, no, we got 500 less. There's going to be problems there. But it's going to let you know how to manage based upon if you're trying to preserve your habitat and maximize opportunity, as well as just make sure the overall species is doing well. The area that I live in has a small population of mountain goats. And you want your abundance counts to be accurate or as accurate as possible because if you over-harvest, you put that population into a decline, which it's already gone through, and it could potentially wipe out the population. And you're constantly monitoring for changes. The challenges come from accuracy. How you're collecting the data, who's collecting the data, what type of data are you collecting is going to introduce bad data or bias and that is going to alter and affect your data. What I mean by bias, let's say you have a unit and half of the unit has all the deer and you're sampling only half the unit and you're showing a really high abundance in one drainage. You go in there and you count all of your animals in one area. You're gonna show that you have higher amount of animals across the entire landscape than you do if you had randomly sampled a high one as well as a low one. It's going to distribute it out that data out better and say you have less animals on the landscape versus if you're only going to those high visibility areas. The other issue, surveys are expensive. You're either flying, which is expensive, plus the man hours, or you're down on uh, observing with glasses, driving roads, constantly getting out there. And again, that requires a lot of time and time is money and it requires a lot of manpower. And so that's some of the challenges. Uh, another challenge with abundance counts is population dynamics. Is the population in the middle of a migration from higher to lower areas? Are they in the middle of reproduction? So you're getting your counts on less females because the females have gone into hiding. And then are there external threats such as cattle drives? If you go into an area to expect to do a survey, you're flying over an area and you're hoping to do a survey and all of a sudden they're in the middle of a cattle drive or a sheep drive. Or is there a big... Bear Lake 100 race going on with 1,100 participants. All of these factors you need to take into a play because they are all creating problems for your data. And then weather conditions, seasonality, those issues uh, can affect the way you're going to collect your data. There's a whole bunch of things out there to improve abundance models, technology, whether it's drones, camera traps, or different type of uh, equipment, as well as improving your mathematical models, uh, taking into account more of the factors that could be affecting it. Statistical methods, the way you do your stats, the way you go about your sampling can also have an effect. Now, I am no statistician, I am no mathematician, I took a, a stats class. I've only ever taken one stats class, and I took it in college. And the last week of college, as I was going, 
I met with the professor before the final and she came to me and she said, Hey, I'm excited that you're going to be taking my class next semester. And I said, well, I'm only supposed to take this class once. And she said, it looks like you're going to be taking the class again. For some unknown reason, I blew away the final, passed it with flying colors, ended up being able to pass the class. It was my worst grade of my college career. I don't understand stats. I just know that you can sample different subsets, get different answers. That's about all I know. But understanding those statistical methods and how you implement them can have long-term effect. Making sure you're getting long-term monitoring in place so you can monitor those trends to give you a better understand, understanding of how the population is moving around the landscape. And then you can see some of the challenges in the areas that you're going to face. But abundance and calculating abundance, one of the main issues that I see in calculating abundance is this uh, thing they call detection probability. If you are flying over a landscape or you get out of your truck and you are glassing across a landscape, detection probability is what they're helping them understand how many animals they think you should have seen based upon what you did see. Or it's also called sightability. Sightability is something that is kind of difficult for me to understand, but it's also not, but how they calculate it's difficult. But here are the factors that go into, if you are flying across a landscape or you get out of your truck and you are glassing, sightability, these are the factors that go into it. Vegetation density, thick cover versus sparse cover. If you are looking at a thick stand of aspens with leaves still on it, your sightability is gonna be reduced, Versus if you are looking at an open landscape with virtually no trees and the shrubs are very low, sightability improves depending on the animals that you are looking for. Time of day, early in the morning, late at night, low light conditions are all going to have an effect on what you can see. Weather conditions, the sky is clear, is it raining, is there fog, is there wind, all of these things are going to play into sightability. Terrain features, are you on rolling plains, flat meadows, or are you in hills and valleys, rugged terrain, that's going to affect um, some of the other issues they've got to look at. Sightability is animal behavior, are animals more likely to be out during that time of day when you are observing? And then the experience of the observer. How good are they? Have they been out there doing this same thing for 15 years or is this their first time? That's all the different things that go into, into it. Uh, animal characteristics, seasonal variation, equipment quality, uh, person who goes to Walmart and picks up a pair of binoculars versus somebody using Leica's, Swarovski's, or some of those other higher brands. They're going to be able to see a little bit better have clear glass, and it's going to affect how they view animals. Sightability is a difficult one to um, predict. And if you get your sightability wrong, it's going to tell you either saw more animals than you should have or you saw less. And that's going to change your output and how much abundance shows. Abundant, abundance is important for hunters. 
as well as wildlife managers. The higher the abundance, the more animals you're going to pursue, the more tags they give out, the more opportunity there is for everybody. The higher the abundance, higher the success rate. More animals, more opportunities, and you keep getting big mature bulls, your success rate grows through the roof. They've also measured it from the Division of Wildlife standpoint uh, that the quality of hunt is better for individuals who find that there is higher abundance on the landscape. Now, this could be uh, some areas, your abundance overall for the unit could be low, but this area could have high abundance. One of those important things that you should be asking biologists is how is abundance looking across the landscape? Are there a lot of animals packed really tied together or is there animals spread out across the landscape because that's going to change how you look at hunting. It's going to have an impact on the age class of your bucks and your bulls. Higher, higher abundance that has good habitat, higher abundance will mean you're going to have more and healthier, mature animals. You're going to have more bulls, more bucks, and healthy landscape will continue to allow those things to happen. The lower, again, abundance, obviously, the lower or the fewer chances for mature animals being on the landscape. But this directly relates to habitat quality. There's two, there's two, it's a double-edged sword. The higher abundance means your population, your habitat is phenomenal because it can support all these. But over time, the higher that abundance becomes, all of a sudden you start to see habitat degradation and it's difficult to stop habitat degradation once it happens. You've got to start pulling animals off the landscape and you got to start worrying about overall abundance, overall population and your objectives. Those are all the different things that go into abundance. Abundance is one of those arguments that biologists are going to continue to have arguments with the public over. Uh, the the non-consumptive and those special interest groups are always going to be arguing about how many animals are on the landscape. And it's going to be one of those things that they're probably always going to be wrong because some models are better than others, but they're all wrong. And so now you... Now you have it. That's abundance in a nutshell. Calculating abundance is difficult, time-consuming, costs a lot of money, but it's important for wildlife management. All right, you guys, have a great day. Stay wild.